Welcome to Lessons in Leadership, Steve Autobot, with my colleague, Mary Gamba. Mary, hold on. You were just telling me before we started that you couldn't see anything. You needed your glasses. <laughs> Put your glasses on. I'm going to see what well, it looks like. Well, you gave me a complex because you said last time you were able to see the reflection. So I don't want any reflection today. But there you go. I love it. But now Mary I can actually see everyone. So that's a very important quality in life to be able to see is very important. That's good stuff. Mary, uh, we'll talk about our sponsors later, but let's kick off this very special edition of Lessons in Leadership. My glasses matched my tie, I think. With uh, Dr. Eric Alcera, uh, Associate Physician and Chief Hackensack Meridian Health, Care Transformation Service. Uh, Eric, do I have that title right? That is correct, Steve. And uh, should I disclose, Dr. Alcera, that I've been coaching and working with you and a whole range of other physicians at Hackensack Meridian Health in the HMH Physician Leadership Academy. Is it, you graduated four years you went through the academy, right? I, at least four, if not five. So, how much worse did you get working with me over the years? <laughs> not much. I think uh, it's been a, a tremendous experience, and I, it's been very valued. So, why, why don't we talk about that? In all seriousness, not about me. I'm uh, the narcissist thing. We'll talk about another time. <clears throat> the Physician Leadership Academy. People would say whether you call the academy an institute, a seminar series. I remember the first day we met. It was in person back in the day pre-COVID leadership coaching training you've been through for several years how have you evolved in the last several years as a leader you know it, the program is is probably something i've never experienced before it, you know the leadership the mentoring the experience that you have is all valuable in terms of your my growth and everyone's growth for that matter uh, you know i think it's something unique in, in our organization that allows us to not only you know learn but really develop our own strengths to become really solid leaders in healthcare. It, it's mm. uh, something that helps you connect the dots and uh, really apply to everyday things. And who knew what was coming down the pipeline, but certainly it was uh, having that experience was a value given the, the circumstances that laid ahead. Mary, we're going to uh, talk about a piece that Eric put online, wrote online about relationships and leadership in just a second, but real quick follow up before Mary jumps in on relationships. Eric, let me ask you this. If, if mm, this is my theory early on when I started coaching physicians, that they're some of the smartest people in the world, clinically, some extraordinary professionals, but that medical school, and HMH does have a medical school right now, and it's evolving in terms of its curriculum, but old school, if you will, medical school training may or may not train you to be the physician leader you need to be, fair assessment or not? Uh, that's an absolute fair assessment. You know, we are expected once we graduate to really lead because of the knowledge and the experience that we have. But really, it doesn't really translate to a solid leader, right? We have the intelligence, we have the capability, we have some flexibility, but to apply that in a way to lead teams, to problem solve, to manage networks and healthcare systems is something that we aren't trained to do so. So I think the Physician Leadership Academy, with no doubt, has been critical in terms of everyone's growth and whoever takes play, part in it. So, And thank you to, to Bob Garrett, the CEO of the, of the network, and others, Jim Blazer and others, uh, Dr. Dan Varga and others, who in fact have signed off on the Physician Leadership Academy and understand that more and more physicians are in leadership positions and a whole range of healthcare organizations. Mary, Eric wrote about relationships. What the heck does that have to do with leadership? Jump in, Mary. Yeah, not only has he written about leadership, relationships, and regarding relationships, you have a great 
Instagram video, and uh, it might have gone viral. And if not, I've definitely shared it a ton. Talk a little bit about the importance of whether you're in an argument, building healthy relationships. How do you rebound if things aren't always sunshine and rainbows? Yeah, you know, I was it was a lot of fun to do. I think it, in the world of social media, this was really a great way to sort of get a message across. But, you know, our relationships are funny. You know, sometimes they're like roller coasters, ups and downs. And I think when we have those difficult and challenging times, you know, there's a there's a couple techniques that you have to sort of manage. And that is, you know, really the most important message is you have to talk and listen. You have to have that ability to communicate and not just communicate, but emotionally connect with your partner and have that mutual respect that allows you both to sort of work out disagreements and understand that you're on the same team. But hold on, Mary. Eric is talking about personal relationships. Uh, and I'll talk about my relationship with my wife, Jen, at another time. But I'm more interested in professional relationships right now. To what degree, Dr. Alcer, do you believe that the techniques, because Mary and I have 23 years, Mary? Yeah, 23 years. And uh, yeah, it was actually... Yeah, just 23 years on June 19th. And the reason I remember that also happens to be my wedding anniversary. And I started on my one-year wedding anniversary working with you. And my anniversary is the 24th. Of, oh, happy anniversary. Uh, yes. Uh, and Mary and I, I want to say this. Our relationship, Eric, has evolved all these different iterations. To what degree listening, communicating, acknowledging mistakes, being empathetic, the call, all a lot of things you talked about in that Instagram video comparable to professional relationships? A hundred percent, right? I, I, the foundation for every relationship are those core values, which is you have to care for each other. You have to trust each other. You have to be able to listen and communicate and sometimes have tough conversations, right? That allows you to, to talk and to listen and really hear the other person. Nothing gets solved by just trying to prove your perspective over someone else. Yeah. And I want to jump in there. Something that Steve and I always go back and forth with is the ability to say you're sorry. And in business, <laughs> I even think that's more important than in personal relationships and personal relationships. Why are you laughing, Steve? Because <laughs> I say I'm sorry a lot. <laughs> do you hold on? Are you saying you don't? Are you no, saying you, you do? Don't, do oh, you no, do. But, you do. You do. But you don't, I think you think, and I wrote this about, I don't like to talk about my new book, but it's coming out in a couple of months. I wrote uh, a chapter in Extreme Ownership, right? The book Extreme Ownership mm -hmm. right here. Mary and my wife have accused me of saying I'm sorry very quickly to get past stuff and just move on, but not any, actually, Mary, you're shaking your head real quick. Well, no, and again, we all evolve as leaders, right? You said that earlier, and Eric, Steve has definitely truly evolved. I mean, in 23 years, the ups and downs, lefts, rights that we've taken throughout that time together, but yes, owning it, saying you're sorry, because I really believe that until somebody says those words, and it shouldn't be, I'm sorry that you feel that way, right? No, <laughs> I'm sorry for the role that I played in making you feel that way. Two totally different things. Talk a little bit about the importance of saying you're sorry, especially in business. And, and that's a great point, Mary. Saying I'm sorry isn't the only answer, because a lot of people say they're sorry and don't really mean it, right? They mm -hmm. say sorry for what they did to the other person, but the reality, it's about accountability, right? We have to understand the things that led up to the argument and what did we do to create it? And saying sorry for those things, focusing on yourself and realizing that you contributed to the problem is, is just as important. I think that again is one of the best ways um, in learning how to connect with someone, learning how to compromise, learning really how to commit to someone to say, look, I, I'm still invested in our relationship. I value you. And I, I, I apologize for the things that led up to our 
disagreements and, and learn from it. That's the most important thing is that arguments, even though they're terrible and they don't taste good, it, it is it is something that you can learn from, something that you can talk about. And, you know, having that ability to communicate and connect and understand will just make you stronger at the end. Last question on this real quick, uh, Dr. Alcera. How, why is it so difficult for so many of us <clears throat> to simply own our mistakes and say, I'm sorry? What, the, I believe that more people have trouble saying my bad on me than what you just described. Yeah, I think, you know, that it, it's really hard to say you're sorry sometimes. I think part of it is when you don't feel that you're a team, that you feel it's you against them, you really, you get lost in, in, in the conversation, right? It's all about sort of this tit for tat, you know, you do this, I do this. You have to lose expectations when it comes to your partner, right? You, you're both on the same team. You have to work problems out. There's no winning when you win an argument against your partner. You have to be able to, to speak things through and talk things out and realize that it's not about always winning the argument, but it's usually about problem solving and learning learning to grow from that. As Eric uh, shares that really important information, by the way, Mary, can we take, because I remember seeing Eric's Instagram and then sending, I think I sent it to you and said, hey, look at what Eric just yeah. did. How do we technologically, we're doing this right on the air, how do we technologically have Eric's Instagram accessible on our website? Yeah, no, we we will literally just put up uh, right here. Sylvester's going to put it right over here and people could scan with their smartphone and it'll take them right to the Instagram. So we'll definitely put that up on screen. So if you're watching, just take your phone, zap it, and it'll take you right to Eric's video. Dr. Eric Alcera from Hackensack Meridian Health and part of our Physician Leadership Academy from day one. Eric, thank you, my friend. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. You got it. This is Lessons in Leadership. That's Mary Gamble where the glasses. We'll be right back after this. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Pregramatis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Fedway Associates, Inc., Veolia, Resourcing the World, Choose New Jersey, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. Lessons in Leadership is uh, pleased to introduce two of our longtime friends. Chris Paladino is president of New Brunswick Development Corporation, otherwise known as DevCo, and Joe Gingoli, CEO, Gingoli, DCO partner, Hard Rock Atlantic City. Good to see you, gentlemen. Good to see you, Steve. Hi, Steve. Uh, hey, Chris, do me a favor. Set this up. You guys have known each other for, what, a few weeks? Yeah. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Joe and I've worked together for at least 25 years. Um, actually, we competed for a project. I won. He lost. He said, I'll take another. I'll take a ticket back in the daily line and get back in line. Uh, and we built an elementary school together about 25 years ago and have been partners ever since. Joe, talk about partnership, because in all seriousness, Chris and I, we talk, you and I talk about partnership and relationship, partnerships and relationships. Chris and I were doing the same thing. And that's how we brainstormed with this. Joe, I've known you long enough to know that business, while it's business, is sometimes personal for you, meaning personal relationships matter deeply to you. Do they not, Joe? Yes, they do. And um, the relationship with Chris was built over many projects and over a very long period of time. And together, and I actually, I believe it started uh, with the Lord Sterling School, but then we had a project in Newark. 
And um, the concept came up and said, how about if we really, how about if we take this concept of social responsibility, uh, I don't even think competitive edge had a name at the time, and let's really try to move the needle on the people in the community being involved in the project from small businesses to folks that um, had never even considered uh, being in the union to developing union careers. And uh, we really, the, the two of us, that's when, when um, I think we really uh, collaborated on not just building something, but making a difference. Mm. Hey, Chris, by the way, you, you, you're not hiding that logo is pretty bold, okay? The brand. <laughs> <clears throat> I just happened to see, I mean. Uh, subtle you know, cues, subtle cues. Yeah, Helix, Helix, put the Helix in context and bring Joe into that, go ahead. Well, you know, we uh, we actually started this morning um, uh, in doing the site work on the Helix project, which is the largest investment in life science and medical education in New Jersey history. Um, it's approximately $800 million, about 550,000 square feet. It's the Rutgers RWJ Medical School. It's Rutgers Translational Research and the New Jersey Innovation Hub. Um, and uh, we are in the ground. We're closing on all the financing next week, but we're in the ground with the project. Uh, Joe's company is our general contractor and our construction manager, and uh, we're off to the races. And, you know, in about four years time, when this building is totally operational, it'll bring 1200 people to the New Brunswick downtown. Uh, and we hope to take the programs that we have done let that be training to hire, our leadership and training program, working with the P-TECH school, um, working with the Supreme Court um, in what we just started, an all women's cohort of training to that project. Take it from the Cancer Institute and just move it down the street and continue to drive down the road. Jump in, Mary. Yeah, definitely. And Joe, I would love to talk to you a little bit, and Chris just touched on it there. Both you and Chris give tons of opportunities to women, to veterans, to um, people who just may have fallen on some tough times. Talk a little bit about why it is so important to you and to Chris and, and the partnership that you have to give these opportunities to uh, these individuals and just giving them a chance. Sure. Well, you know, I always like to preface this with this is not charity. This is really good business. And our company, which is national and, and throughout the Caribbean, um, once you develop a relationship with a client um, and you're in a new area, what better way to stay than be part of the community? And what better way to be part of the community than have the community involved in your project in a substantial way? long-term career jobs, uh, you know, any small businesses that are in that area, why not cut parts of your job out that would fit them and allow them to grow with you? And that's what we do on, on all of our projects. We're, we're really lucky uh, with Devco and New Brunswick that we have large projects over a long period of time. So you can really make a difference. So we start with, you know, young kids who are still in, in high school, whether it's P-TECH or our well, summer job. P-TECH is what? P-TECH is a partnership between uh, the school board, um, uh, Middlesex uh, uh, Community College, and businesses that, that take 
ownership of a class from when the kids come in in, in ninth grade till they graduate in the 12th grade with a two-year um, uh, community college degree. Mm -hmm. And they have been being coached, indoctrinated, mentored, prepared mm -hmm. to come into the workforce. And for us, that's our, our DCO Energy Company and or uh, Jingle Construction or Devco. And um, it, it's just sort of mimicking what happened at my kitchen table. Right. My dad had a construction company. Our mom had a plumbing company. They were both union contractors. Uh, so by the, I never thought about what I was going to do for a career. So if you take someone in the ninth grade and they know or have an opportunity or really a thought to what they're going to be, uh, it influences a lot about the decisions they're going to make in life. And to be crystal clear, we are recruiting the next generation for our company. So this is good business. Right. Um, Chris, we've had Joe talk about this before. We've, I've asked him about his view of leadership and business, and he's talked about his family and what he picked up from his parents. I've never asked you this, and all the times you've been with us, Chris, your view of leadership or your, your leadership style has been influenced by many different factors and experiences. How much of it has to do with, I, like, I know it sounds corny, your family of origin? Well, you know, it's an it's an interesting question. Um, my great grandfather was a union organizer in the garment industry in New York City. Uh, my father and mother were both school teachers uh, here in the community where I now work. My father was the mayor of uh, of my my town. And you know, I'll, I'll just tell you quickly a story. Everybody had listing phone numbers in those days. So people would call my house if their garbage wasn't picked up, their child was having a problem at school. And I remember as a teenager saying to him like, like, why do you do this? And him very soberly said, if I don't, who will? And I think it was just a very important lesson that we have responsibility. Um, and you know, watching his leadership style as being able to translate kind of vision into reality is something I think I, uh, I, think I picked up on. You know, Mary, uh, as, as Chris just said that, and Joe's talked about this before, this is a quote from Abraham Lincoln. Uh, the best way to predict the future is to create it. And Charles Schwab has said, don't wait for opportunities, create them, which are very similar. Joe, you and Chris creating, you don't control it all, but you don't wait for someone else, as Chris just said, as his dad told him, if I don't do it, who will? Like you guys are like, no, let's do this. You're not waiting for someone to say, hey, we have an idea. You should do this or that. For you, Joe, it's a long-winded way to get to this. For you, leadership is largely about taking the initiative, right, Joe? You have to. If, if you don't, who will? And it's, you know, lead, follow, or get out of the way. I know in our company, you know, we said, you know, you're either paddling, bailing, or you got to get out of the boat. You know, and when we talk about leadership, leadership is about a whole organization. So um, under the... Uh, the auspices of, uh, you know, that can be measured and proves Chris and I track all the metrics of the job. And so what starts to come up is on the project, the man or woman work hours among craft was, was lower than we were okay with. Now, when you think about it, Chris is number two, Sarah Clark or Marissa Bunchy, who, who run the day-to-day, -day, are both women in construction that handle very, very large projects and are a big part of DevCo's success. Right. So we went to them and said, um, we've had such luck with our returning citizen program, which is 
been all male to this point. Why don't we run a class of returning women citizens and let's provide childcare, money for childcare, 600 a month for childcare, and let's see if we can move the needle. So that class started a couple of weeks ago. It's moving along. We'll keep you up to speed. But instead of looking at the number and going, wow, I wish it was better. Did something. Let's make it better. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, exactly, that's exactly what happened. 31%, almost 32% of the people who are working on the Cancer Institute are minorities. Only 2% are women. I kind of brought those you know, numbers up to Joe, talking to Joe, and Joe said, well, let's do something about it. Let's do an all-women's class. So, you know, look. There it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Complaining about it's not a strategy, gentlemen, correct? Correct. So, Chris, that's what happened. Joe said, let's do something. You're doing something. You're monitoring it. You ever, you ever, before I let you guys go, you ever hear people say, well, but if I, if, if I try that, it's risky. It's risky to do nothing. Chris, go ahead. No, I mean, it, it, you know what? I, I was kind of working off of what Joe said before. You just go off and you do things. And people will kind of get out of your way. And, you know, we don't, we don't have, we don't make it a hundred percent, you know, but if we are able to be 50% accurate, uh, we made a difference and we give ourselves a good starting point for the next time. You know, move, go ahead, Joe, final words, got a few seconds. So Steve, uh, five years ago, a reporter asked me, uh, six children killed six other children in our neighborhood in Atlantic city, where we have the hard rock. So we put a program together where we hired 10 kids from each group, paid them $15 an hour, partnered with Faith-Based. A reporter asked me in a public, how do you know this is going to work? I said, I don't. I just had to do something. Today, we have 300 kids in Atlantic City between 14 and 20 years old in our program. None have reoffended. And you know, Governor Murphy and the First Lady stepped in in a big way, and that way we could get from, you know, 100 to 300 with their support, and it worked. So to Joe Gingoli and, and Chris Palladino, they're not only longtime partners and friends, they live it every day. They make decisions. They take risks. They do something. Because as Chris, would your dad say again, Chris? If I don't, who's going to? There it is. And for those who wonder why this lessons in leadership thing is because we're trying to get people off their butts, off their couches and do something instead of, as I said, complaining ain't a strategy. It's just an emotion. Gentlemen, there's thank no you so much. To, for, there's no wrong ahead. way to do the right thing. Sometimes it just takes a, you got to try a couple things. There it is. Chris, Joe, thank you very much, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Mary, I'll be back with some final words of wisdom on lessons in leadership, the number one leadership show anywhere on any platform. I just made that up right after this. <laughs> Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine, and Meadowlands Chamber, celebrating 50 years of building connections and driving business growth. So there it is, Mary. You want something done? Stop waiting for somebody else. Just get out there and do it, right? I am more inspired than ever before. We've talked about this before. We've talked about everybody as a leader. And obviously, Chris and Joe are leaders. Every time that we have them on, they say something new. They empower us. 
And I just thank them for their words of wisdom. And it's so true. If you want something done, like don't think someone else is going to do it. It's that if there's a whole big crowd around and somebody falls, everybody thinks somebody else is going to do it. And no, you need to be the one to take, take the initiative, step up, and don't be afraid to take risks. Take the ball, take control. Mary, <laughs> listen, these guys are doing really important things. Me, I had an idea. I said, you know what? We should have a stand and deliver lessons in leadership t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Look, look, I'm so proud of myself that I came up with the idea of a t-shirt. <laughs> but I want to thank our good friend Andy Duke. Andy, Metro Graphics. Let's put up a graphic for Metro Graphics. How cool are these t-shirts? They are amazing. The quality is super great. He was awesome to work with. We had to do two versions of it just because we thought we wanted something. Talk about client service. The client is always right. In our case, the client was wrong. We thought that we wanted a different style of logo. It looked cheesy. We said, all right, let's do another version of it. And now we love it. So I think it's so important. And Elvin, yes, you are going to get a shirt. Just tell us your size and we'll make sure to get you a shirt. Everybody will get a shirt. Hold on one second, Mary. Yes. Elvin would like a shirt. Uh, April, you're, April's small. April. I'm not going to just throw these around. If April, you, if you Crusoe, pulled out a T-shirt cannon right now, that would have been really impressive. Okay, the T-shirt cannon. Oh, if you break something. <laughs> you caught it. Scarlin, behind the camera. I'm you not get hit. a shirt and you get a shirt. You're like Oprah. Larger, larger medium. Large, right through the camera. Watch that. There it is. There it is. Um, we have officially Elvin. lost control of our show today. Elvin, our director. XL. XL. Mary, get a check for 20 bucks from Elvin Badger. <laughs> but, but Steve, they only cost 12. What are you doing? <laughs> We're entrepreneurs, Mary. What are you talking about? No, I have no idea what they cost. I was just joking. Let's get it out to Elvin and Frank uh, and also to Sylvester. Out in, of course. We'll get one to Amy. Who's, yes, who does our closed captioning. Hey, Mary, listen, can I do this real quick? This is risky, but I'm going to I'm going to bring it up. So. Um, this is an old. Here we go. <laughs> okay, I'm just. How much time do, do we have, Elvin? <laughs> okay, I know, but this is an old school New York Post, not to be outdone by the Daily News. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. So I'm not going to talk about presidential leadership, but I am going to ask this question because we're not a political show, correct, Mary? Correct. But are there times that you ask yourself? Forget about Democrats, Republicans, conservative, liberals, blah, 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 blah. Do you ever ask yourself, hey, with the vast majority of Americans saying they don't like the choice, if it's President Biden and former President Trump, what does that have to do with, in your view, our sense of what kind of leader we want and need as a country? And it's, I swear I'm not being political. It's about leadership to me. Go ahead. It is about leadership. And the challenge is the only thing we have to go by as a public, as a voter, is the leadership skills or lack thereof that we see in those that we have the option to choose between, right? So if what you're asking it's not is- what perfection. It's, it's not you're choosing against perfection. No, because we all have our flaws, but we're just hoping that whatever leaders we have to choose from would really portray some of the leadership traits, the communication traits, the coaching, the mentoring, and frankly, just don't say anything stupid. <laughs> and I know that's a very low bar, but unfortunately the way that things have gone in our country, and again, it's not just political leaders, 
leadership. It's also a lot of business leadership. And we need to press pause and we need to demand more in our leaders because our young adults that are up and coming, you have teenagers and those who are voting age. I have two now that are voting age and they're very torn. And hearing the conversations, it does not make me feel good about the future. And dare I use the word, and again, vote for who you want to vote for. Don't vote, that's your business. Integrity is an interesting question. Leadership and integrity. And you can decide for yourself, Alvin, I know it's goodbye. All right, you're getting a shirt, okay? But all I'm <laughs> we'll going to say is- We'll pick this up in another edition. Leadership and integrity. We're going to have the conversation. For Mary Gamba, glasses and all, Steve Adubato, lessons in leadership. Mary, let's plug our sponsors on the back end. Their logos will we come will. up. See everyone next time. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Pregramatis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Fedway Associates, Inc., Veolia, resourcing the world, Choose New Jersey, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine, and Meadowlands Chamber, celebrating 50 years of building connections and driving business growth. Kids, PBS Kids, and Delta Dental want you to have a healthy smile. So here are some tips for you to remember. Number one, eat plenty of crunchy fruits and vegetables. Number two, brush your teeth after eating sugary snacks or drinking sodas. And number three, drink lots of water to wash away food particles. When your teeth are happy, all of you is happy. From PBS Kids and Delta Dental, have a healthy smile.